Amen, amen. If you have your Bibles, would you open up with me to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. This is the next five verses after the verses we looked at last week about the Word of God and the, the sufficiency of the Scriptures. And this week we'll talk about preaching the Word. If you don't have your own Bible, you can open up to 1368 in the Pew Bible. 1368 in the Pew Bible there in front of you. As you're opening up there, I want to say uh, what a joy it is for us to be able to continue in this Ordinary Glory uh, series as we look at these ordinary means by which God grows and sustains His church. And Today we turn our attention to the preaching of the Word of God. If you have your Bibles open there, why don't you go ahead and stand with me out of reverence for the reading of the words of our God. Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in such a way that as the words on this page are being read, God Himself is speaking to you. Beginning verse 1, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing and His kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Let's pray together. O Lord our God, would you open our hearts and minds today so that we might receive your word? And God, my prayer today is that we would be changed by it. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. One Lord's Day, maybe a Lord's Day like today, at the St. Giles Kirk in Edinburgh, Scotland, their preacher, great Scottish Presbyterian preacher Robert Bruce, was preaching. And one thing that made it a, a unique day that day, though, was that King James the Sixth of Scotland, would have been James the First of England, but James the Sixth of Scotland was in attendance there in the Royal Gallery Church that day. I don't know where our Royal Gallery is here, so I can't point it out to you, but you can imagine with me problem that day was that the king and the preacher had a strained relationship. Things had kind of soured with them over some political things that Bruce wouldn't give in on uh, in terms of the truth. And so to demonstrate his displeasure with the preacher, the king took place in a loud and distracting conversation with some of the people there with him in his section. And so, as he would do that, as he would intentionally distract and intentionally sort of try to um, uh, 
humiliate the preacher, finally the preacher would stop and it would die down. He would begin preaching again. After the third time this happened, Bruce stopped. He looked into the royal gallery and he said this, It is said to have been an expression of the wisest of kings. When the lion roars, all the beasts of the field are quiet. The lion of the tribe of Judah is now roaring in the voice of his gospel. And it becomes all the petty kings of earth to be silent. That's one way to preach. What Bruce is capturing there in a, in a really poignant story is exactly what we believe happens here every Sunday. Is that the line of the tribe of Judah roars every Sunday in his gospel, not because the preacher's good or not because it's a good day or anything else, but because the word is proclaimed. Christ is speaking to his church through the faithful preaching of the word of God. Every Sunday, we get to experience, as the Lord's church, one of the most beautiful and simple graces that God has given us. And that's the weekly proclamation and preaching of the Word of God. Now, to some of you, this sort of sounds selfish. It sounds self-centered for the pastor to talk like this. But I, I, I want to tell you that one reason for that is our minds have become so warped about preaching. We are so influenced by non-biblical, unbiblical, even worldly influences on preaching that we've come to the place that when we talk about preaching in a high way in the church, we automatically assume that that means that we're putting the preacher in a high place in the church. And the Bible has some things about how we ought to treat our pastors and preachers, but that's not what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about the way we ought to view the act of preaching. It's one of the reasons in my years here I've done my best to try to bring the best possible preachers that I can bring here to, for you to hear preach. Because I, I want to make sure that we elevate the preaching ministry of the church. It's your responsibility. It's your responsibility to protect the pulpit. To make sure that preaching is held high in this church. And I've often thought, that if there's one legacy I hope I can have, First Baptist Church Gazin, I, you know, I don't want to start talking legacy quite yet. I, I, I like what I do. love being here. love serving you every Sunday. But if you know me, that's just sort of how I think. So I've said if there's, if there's nothing else I can achieve, I would love to make sure that my tenure here at this place was marked by a high view of the pulpit. And that our church is known not for great preaching, not for good preaching, but from now on, and, and it always has been in so many ways, but that we are always known for faithful preaching, First Baptist Church of Gadsden. If, that, if I could have one legacy, I hope it would be that. It's a simple, beautiful grace that we get to come hear the preaching of the Word every Sunday. And it's not about the preacher, and it's not about how good it is, but it's about preaching and hearing God's Word. And so my hope and my prayer is that every Sunday you come expecting to hear from the Lord. I want to show you three things this morning, three ways that the Apostle Paul describes faithful preaching to his protege, Timothy. 
The next verses, if you wanted to sneak ahead and read just the next section of verses down to verse 8, 6, 7, and 8, Paul begins to talk about the fact that he, he's going to die soon. This is in so many ways some of Paul's parting letters to Timothy, trying to show him the things that matter most in ministry. And so here we see Paul defining faithful preaching for Timothy in a way that will outlast his own life and his own ability to talk to Timothy about preaching. So I want to show you this morning three three ways that Paul defines faithful preaching and, and your response to those things, how the points will be phrased. How, how should our church view preaching? Three points this morning. Okay, here's the first one. Demand faithful preaching. Demand, demand, it's your responsibility as a member of First Baptist Church of Gadsden to demand faithful preaching, to settle for nothing else. Don't demand entertaining preaching, not funny preaching, not riveting preaching, not great preaching, not even good preaching. Those aren't the things we demand. Now, those are fine preferences to have, okay? It's, it's okay to want good preaching. I, I want good preaching. I work at trying to be a, a better preacher, a, a good preacher. I want to do a good job. Don't, don't mishear me. But that's not what we demand. What you must demand, what you cannot settle for less than, is faithful preaching. You see, I think so often in the Lord's church, we mix these two categories up. We mix these two categories up. We demand good preaching. We, we demand great preaching. We demand entertaining preaching. We demand riveting preaching. And as long as it's those things, we're not so worried about whether or not it's faithful preaching. We demand our preferences, but faithfulness isn't always our primary concern. In fact, when you, when you think about it, when you get home this afternoon you talk to somebody on the phone say how was church today and very rarely do we say things like you know the pastor rightly divided the word today he 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 helped me see what a text meant no usually what do we say it was pretty good i don't know seemed kind of mad i don't know it was kind of boring today i don't understand what he's talking about he had on checkered pants i couldn't pay attention you know whatever We demand our preferences so often, and faithfulness is in our primary concern. But here what Paul is talking to Timothy about is not how to be a better homiletician, but he's talking to Timothy about how to be a faithful preacher. And he just gives him a few things that he must do if he is to be a, a faithful preacher. The first thing he says is, I charge you. This is something Paul's saying you must do. You cannot be less than this as a preacher. I charge you this in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge <clears throat> the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Faithful preaching has big God theology. Faithful preaching has theology that reflects the bigness of God. Big God theology. What does Paul say? I charge you to do this in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. 
Every Sunday when we gather together on the Lord's Day, we are doing so in God's presence. We believe in a real God who is imminent, who is present with us. Now, we believe in the transcendence of God, right? We, we believe God's other than us. We believe that God is greater than us, that God is beyond us. And yet we also believe in a God who stoops, a God who condescends, a God who will be with us. What else does Paul say? In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. dead. Now think about that. Every Sunday when we come together to hear the preaching of the word, we're doing so in light of the fact that each and every one of us will one day stand before the judgment seat of God. Several years ago I preached through, early on in my ministry here, I preached through the Sermon on the Mount. Some of you are thinking and praying through a call to ministry and preaching or whatever else. And so let me just go ahead and tell you, When it's time to preach through the Sermon on the Mount, you better buckle up your chin strap. It's going to wear you out, and God's poor people are going to be worn out too. Wear you out. One Sunday I had to preach on one of the tough texts. It was a hard hitter. On Sunday morning, somebody came up to me afterwards, and they said, Brother Matt, my goodness, you sure are brave to tackle these topics. I said, I'm not brave. I'm not brave. That's not bravery to tackle tough topics. I'm just more afraid of God than I am of y'all. God has told me to preach his word. And who am I to ignore a a passage because it might displease some of you? Who am I to do that? I'm I'm not afraid. Uh, I'm not a a brave man. I'm a coward. I I fear God. I'm not going to not preach what God's told me to preach. There is a judgment day. And one day we'll stand before God and I'll give an account for my preaching. In light of his appearing. Paul says Jesus is coming back and so we need to think not only in terms of the judgment but also in terms of the fact that Jesus Christ is coming again in light of his kingdom the Bible says do you see what what Paul's showing it it's a big God theology that drives faithful preaching but not only that faithful preaching is not only does does not only have a big God theology but faithful preaching also is text driven When you think about demanding faithful preaching, you must, as a church, demand not only a a big view of God theologically, but also text-driven preaching. The way I do text-driven preaching is exposition. I try to work through passages of the Bible. Now, this is a topical series with expository sermons in it, where we walk through text every Sunday. But it must be text-driven. It must be focused on the Word. What does Paul say? Preach the Word. Don't preach other stuff. Don't preach stories. Don't preach good literature. Don't preach movies. Don't preach song lyrics. Don't preach back to people what they already think about stuff. Don't preach southern fried religion to everybody. Don't don't preach this. Don't preach that. No, preach the Word. Preach the Word. Faithful preaching is text-driven. Nothing blows my mind like pastors getting in pulpits and preaching something besides the Word of God. And the whole sermon must be text-driven. That doesn't mean that we read a verse and use it as a springboard to jump off into the swimming pool of our own fancies and thoughts. No, no, we preach the Word. We preach the text. And you as a church must demand faithful, text-driven preaching. Faithful preaching also is consistent over time. Paul says in season and out of season. That means when it's convenient and when it's inconvenient. I'm going to tell you right now, I've preached through books of the Bible, and I've gotten to a verse, and I've thought, that is not convenient. (laughs) 
this is not what I would have chosen to preach today. There have been other times, and most of the time, when as we've gone through a book of the Bible, God's Word over and over and over, and God's providence and God's sovereignty has applied just exactly the way we needed it to that day. Because God knows better than us. Over time, week in, week out, my goal is to provide you with God's Word preached faithfully in season and out of season. One, one man said it this way. He said, you know, there, I've eaten thousands of meals in my life, and very few of them do I remember. And yet I was well-fed and well-nourished over all those years. And think about that. Think about that as you receive the Word of God every Sunday. Furthermore, faithful preaching is applied. Faithful preaching is applied. We can't just provide here a running commentary on the text. We don't just do a weekly Bible study where we talk about what is neat about the Bible this week. No, faithful preaching does what? It's ready in season and out of season. And faithful preaching reproves, rebukes, and exhorts with complete patience and teaching. It means carefully and lovingly over time, the goal is for us to apply the Bible to the hearts and lives of God's people in preaching. Faithful preaching is applied. So we can sit up here and I can talk to you guys. I'm talking about there is all kinds of neat things about the Bible. If y'all know this, the Bible's cool. I love it. I love it. If you've ever seen me get excited about something cool in the Bible, everybody in the staff sometimes has to stand around and listen to me chase rabbits about the Bible. Gina loves it. It's her favorite part of the day when I talk about something goofy in the Bible. And so Gina loves that. And so y'all should ask Gina about all the different things I talk about in the office. She loves it. That's a joke. I drive everybody crazy in the office, right? Because I make everybody stand around and listen to what I have to say. There's all kinds of cool things in the Bible, right? But that's not what we're here to do. The Bible is meant to be applied to our hearts and lives. So every Sunday, the Bible must be applied. Church, you must demand faithful preaching. Draw a line in the sand right here. Do it today. Say, I'm not, I'm not going back from here. I'm, I'm, I'm forevermore, as long as I'm a member at First Baptist Church of Gadsden, we will, you say, demand faithful preaching from Brother Matt and from whatever pastor comes next and from here on out. We will demand faithful preaching. It's my hope and my prayer. But second of all, not only must you demand faithful preaching, but second of all, you must guard against man-centered preaching. You must guard against man-centered preaching. What does Paul say in verse 3? For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having each itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. What do I mean here by man-centered preaching? What Paul says is, a time is coming where people will not demand the sort of preacher that is faithful, but will demand the sort of preacher that suits their fancies. I don't know if y'all know this about us here in this world, but we like for things to suit our fancy, don't we? I mean, we like for things to be done correctly, the way we want them to be done. There's no, no mistake that some marketing guru came up with a great line for Burger King a few years ago, right? Have it your way. Have it your way. 
We must guard against man-centered preaching. There is no shortage of people who will come in here and throw red meat to the crowd. Just tell you exactly what you want to hear every Sunday. And, and, make it, and, and there's a way, there's a whole cottage industry of guys out there right now who do that every Sunday and make it seem like faithful preaching. Who make it seem like, all, all they're doing is just repeating back to people who aren't struggling with whatever, what they already think about things, and they're not actually reproving, rebuking, or exhorting people from the Scriptures. They're just coming in and saying exactly what everybody wants to hear. We must guard against man-centered preaching because man-centered preaching has small God theology. It's not about preaching God's Word, but it's about scratching, itching ears. And so whatever people want to hear, we say, and God really doesn't, doesn't factor in. We must guard against it. We, we must guard against always hearing what we want to hear. And there are health, wealth, and prosperity preachers who do that. There are big Baptist church pastors who do that. If you've got a church filled with a bunch of red-blooded American conservatives, it's real easy to get up every Sunday and preach on everything that's wrong with all the people on the other side of the political spectrum and all the people in Brooklyn or whatever else and just make everybody feel like, wow, what a prophet. And it's real easy if you're a pastor somewhere in a real left-leaning, liberal enclave somewhere, it's real easy to get up every Sunday and to talk about how all the bigots on the right hate everybody, and it's real easy to get up every Sunday and talk about how we ought to be doing more to give more stuff away to people, and, and that that's what Jesus would have done. It's, it's really easy to do those things, and every Sunday to have people who say, that guy really gets the Bible, and wow, doesn't that guy really, he's willing to be a prophet, and yet at the end of the day, you're not really dealing with anybody, your congregation, anything that anyone in your congregation is actually dealing with. And God doesn't factor in at all. Man-centered preaching becomes all about the glory of self and the glory of the preacher and not the big God that the Bible describes. Man-centered preaching is also feelings-driven. It's all about how you feel. The Bible says, Paul says here, that they will find teachers, accumulate for themselves teachers, what? To suit their own passions. Feelings driven. It's about how you feel. So it's not based on what God has said. It's not based on preaching the truth. It's based on talking to us about how we feel. Man-centered preaching depends on fads. Not the timeless truth of God's word. But it says that some people will turn away from the truth and wander off into myths. Man-centered preaching cannot be applied. It's of no use against sin. Why? Because God has given us the tools to fight against sin. The Bible says if, if you want to fight against sin, you need to have your mind renewed. You need to walk in the Spirit. Right? How, how is our mind renewed? Romans 12 says, through the Word. Through the Word, our minds are transformed by the Word. And, and how do we walk in step and closer to the Holy Spirit? Scripture teaches us it's by walking according to the Word. You see, I, I've heard countless sermons in my life that sounded so good. It sounded so good. They would take the text and kind of misuse it and, and make it sound like 
hey, this is something you ought to do. I hear, I hear people say, you got to fight off the devil, or you got to do this, or you, you got to do that. And it, it sounds real preachery, and it sounds real Christian-y, but at the end of the day, it's of, of no use. Because it's not rooted in God's Word. It's rooted in how we feel, or what we want, or what we think we need. Man-centered preaching is of no use against sin. It is a form of godliness that denies its power because it is not rooted in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Only hope you have against sin. Only hope you have against sin is the gospel of Christ. So think about the way man-centered preaching can go so many different directions. Man-centered preaching is, is focused on us and not God. And so it just depends on what kind of passions and what kind of needs and what kind of wants we've got, right? Now, for a church like ours, we tend to think of people who are practicing what we would call sort of easy believism, right? Just do whatever you want and say you love Jesus and that'll about do it. That, that, that's who we tend to judge, the Southern Baptist. But you know, there's another way to pander to folks and to have man-centered preaching and and that's to preach legalism that's to preach legalism that's to oversimplify the gospel and say if you know if you can get this list of rules down you're doing fine before god both of those are man-centered not not just one side of things both of those are man-centered it's of no use it's of no use against sin the flesh and the devil you can't fight the flesh with the flesh you can't fight the devil with his own ideas. A house divided can't stand. You can't fight sin with thoughts that are sinful because they reject the gospel of Jesus Christ. Man-centered preaching is impotent. And so at the same time that we demand faithful preaching, we must always be on guard on our own hearts to make sure that we are not itching a little bit that we're not starting to itch a little bit. So I wish Pastor Matt would do a little more of this kind of thing because I like it. I really like this. I watched this preacher over the weekend and he made me feel good. And so I wish Pastor would do a little more of that. I watched this pastor over the weekend. He made me feel terrible. And I'm a little weird and into that kind of thing. And so, and so I wish Pastor Matt would do more of that. Now, I, I want you to recognize that we must reject man-centered preaching. And finally, simply, final point is this. We must embrace gospel preaching. We must embrace gospel preaching. It's part of what it means to be a faithful preacher. It's part of what it means to have faithful preaching. But I, I wanted to highlight it as its own point because Paul highlights it alone as well. As for you, he says to Timothy, as for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do what? Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. An evangelist is someone who shares or preaches the gospel. And that's what Paul is highlighting here at the end. Timothy, be sober-minded. Endure suffering. And do the work of an evangelist. That's what it means to fulfill your ministry at the center of all we do as a church. At the center of all we do in this pulpit. At the center of all of our teaching ministry as a church is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. One of my favorite figures from 
history is the great preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Listen to this great quote from Spurgeon. He says, The motto of all true servants of God must be, We preach Christ and Him crucified. A sermon without Christ in it is like a loaf of bread without any flour in it. No Christ in your sermon, sir? Then go home and never preach again until you have something worth preaching. Amen. Charles Spurgeon. Brothers and sisters, we must demand, we must embrace gospel-centered, gospel-preaching. We cannot come here and just preach rules. I, I can't come here every Sunday and just preach, do better. I, I encounter people all the time, y'all, all the time. It breaks my heart. From all they've ever heard at church is do better. It's all they've ever heard. Now, some people grow up in gospel-centered churches and all they ever hear is do better because that's how the flesh works. But there are some churches who just peddle in it. I'm tempted as a preacher all the time just to get up here every Sunday and preach do better. Every Sunday. It's an easy way to do it. Just get up here and say, you know, you're doing this bad. I'd like for you all to do this better. That's what the Bible says to do. We can't come here every week and just preach do better. We, we, we can't come here every week and preach politics. We, we can't come here every week and preach good tips for life. We can't come here every week and just preach what we want to hear. We must come here every week and hear not what we want to hear, but what we need to hear. We must come here every single Sunday and preach Christ and Christ crucified. We must preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. You precious saints. Every, every week you're, you're walking through a desert. You're walking through a desert of sin and idolatry, legalism, all sorts of temptations, all sorts of frustrations, all sorts of challenges. You're struggling with guilt. You're walking through a desert every Sunday. What a shame it would be. What a, what a shame it would be if every Sunday you came and you sat in these pews and the only thing I could offer you is another bucket of sand. Here you go. Take that with you. Hope that'll help. No, the Lord's church and the Lord's day and the pulpit that God has ordained that his gospel be preached from must be an oasis of grace in the desert of life every Sunday where you come and you hear of Christ, where you come and you are corrected, where you come and you have God's love applied to your hearts and life, where the whole counsel of God is preached in such a way that you know that Jesus loves you and that you don't just get told to do better, but you're made better as you're transformed by the word as you walk in the spirit. We must preach the gospel. And you must, church, recognize your need for the gospel. Your need for the gospel. Sometimes I fear that we've become so at home in the world, so happy in this world, there's nothing wrong with enjoying the life God's given you, but sometimes I fear that we forget that we're wandering in a wilderness. And that's one reason why we don't celebrate the preaching of the Word of God every Sunday is because sometimes we feel like we don't need it. Because we're living lives that don't require hearing the Word every Sunday. But my hope and my prayer, brothers and sisters, 
my hope and my prayer is that as you are out representing your Christ, as you are out living your life, as you are out walking with Christ in the world, as you're struggling with sin, as you're struggling with your flesh, as you're wrestling in the world, my hope and my prayer is that every Sunday you will come to the oasis of God that you will be refreshed and revived by the preaching of the Word of God. My hope and my prayer is that you will be here. That you'll be here every Sunday, ready to hear God's Word. That you'll be here every Sunday. Because every Sunday, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, until the Lord calls us home, by His will and by His grace, every Sunday right here at First Baptist Church of Gadsden, the Lion of the tribe of Judah will be roaring in His gospel. I want to offer an invitation this morning. If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus for the first time, I'd love to offer you this opportunity today to come forward, to repent of your sins, and to turn... God in faith and repentance through Jesus Christ. I believe He will save you this morning. Second of all, you may be a Christian. You may say, Pastor, I just need some time to pray. This altar is open for you this morning. I'm available for you this morning. And finally, you may be looking for a church home. I'd love to talk to you today about what it means for you to be a member here at First Baptist Church. After this prayer, 